What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horde, and this is this is the NWA, the podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of one of the greatest, no, the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time. We're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. I'm here with my host, Will Martin, and Rob Stinson. Woo! There. At least somebody's making a sound. <laughs> if you follow us on social media, you've seen that Rob Stinson was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and he made a special trip all the way back in, coming into the upstate of South Carolina, and uh, so that he could see us. And uh, that was nice. I, I appreciate that, Rob. Thank you. No problem, man. <laughs> It was great, man. It was, it was destined to happen. We're like, you know, actually, this is Tanya's idea. We, uh, we uh, were coming back, and uh, she was like, you know, let's extend this vacation a, a little bit longer. I don't have to be back until I come back on calendar on Wednesday. That's when I go back to work. And so we're like, hey, man, you know, uh, we're going out to Tacoa. That's where I went to college. I did my undergraduate work out there, and that's not far from Greenville and Anderson, South Carolina. So we're like, let's stop there, man. And, uh, uh, you know, for the first ever in-person live Bearded Summit, uh, Bearded Trio Summit. So if you felt, I tweeted earlier, if you felt something uh, going on in the in the cosmos yesterday, about this time, about this time, that's what it was. Yeah. If things just inexplicably, inexplicably felt right, that's what it was. It felt right for me. I could say that for sure. Uh, no, no, it was really cool hanging out with these guys. Uh, couldn't. How long could it last before it got it got dirty with Rob? All That's I know is how, that how all I know is that Piper was there for the visit and, and uh, the moments before we're leaving. You know, Gary is just explaining the intricacies of Rent the Musical, just tearing up. You know, with the uh, "I'll Cover You" song, which is a beautiful musical. It's beautiful, but. I've got the footage. I'm going to actually release it. There were no tears involved. No was, tears involved. All right. It was just eye irritation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really dusty outside. No, no man. Was fine, I, man. Hey, listen. Rinse. They're sitting there doing sing offs, doing little uh, Broadway battles with each other. It was cool. We had a blast, man. <laughs> then, of course, Natalia and uh, Jennifer are like, okay, we're going to do this every weekend from now on. From now on. <laughs> like we're up man yeah <laughs> accurate yeah yeah we've already um, got a group chat set up with uh us and the wives so now we can all all keep in touch so that's good yeah and if anybody was wondering will is the responsible one we've discovered that too like will is the like uh like designated had enough i'm gonna be the dd i'm gonna be straight and just sit here and and uh, no, he he had it he had it down. He was like the one that wrapped it up. Even Will's wife, I think, was just like kind of chilling. Like she was like, "Yeah, well, we're sitting here like we're like, man, Will, you got a perfectly intelligent twelve year old son here who can figure out how to drive a vehicle. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> relax." <laughs> and he's only had like one drink, so he is fine. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah. if if responsible means that we left like an hour before y'all then yeah i guess i'm the responsible one but no I, I had a good time and uh it was it was a blast man i can't wait to do it i i don't my only regret is you know i feel like we should have gone live from our phone or something and done like a little uh 
a little live chat and mm-hmm. uh, gotten everybody else in on it. Hey, I wish I'd have thought of that too. It would have uh, looked we, a lot like this because you think, man, we sat there and talked about Nick Aldis and uh, Eddie Kingston all night last night. Just like, yeah, <laughs> talking about, like, yeah you hammering it out, dude. You would think, you know, we're hanging out with our families and stuff, and we would talk about just life, and we just still talked about wrestling. That was a beautiful thing. <laughs> the so funny thing some... is, like, we were still discording each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we're sitting there within three feet. Gary is discording the, the, the menu to us, and we're like, Gary, man, I'm a foot away. Just tell me what's on the menu, bro. <laughs> Old habits. It's like, I put it in the Discord. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We want to say thanks to everybody who's joining us right now. I mean, it's kind of last minute. We're going on a little bit later than normal. We're here on a Sunday night, and you guys, I know, have your lives, your whole lives and work week ahead of you, and you're still hanging out with us. So shout out to Wrestling with the MMA. Shout out to Dave Scooby. James Lawrence is here. The Nation Show is here. I'm going to assume that's probably Joe. Uh, And uh, Mark is here. Uh, question of the day guy in the house, he says. Uh, what's nice. up, Gary? What's going on, Rob? I want to come on one day soon. We do need to get that guy on. Yes, so yes. Mark Griffith, man. That's my that's my brother right there. That that dude is good people. And he is a – we were just like – man, we've had some great guests on Piper's Notes. But, like – and Piper really, you know, she'll get – and one of the things, like, if you watch Piper's Notes, she, she's, she comes out of her shell more or less, and she's getting a lot better. But we, she'll, she'll lock up, man. She'll, like, get starstruck with some of these people. And it's like – Mark Griffin made her feel so like at home, man. It was just one of the funnest uh, times. You know, he's going to come back. We're going to have him on like four or five times a year. He was so good, and uh, um, you know, it was it was cool. He's like if if I could draw a comparison, I mean, he's like a, nobody can replicate wrestling days, but in just terms of like just the just that sweet, fun, hilarious spirit, man. If we have an American wrestling days. It's Mark Griffin, the question of the day guy. That's him, man. He is so he, he's just got such an infectious personality. I I feel like like and I'm so, I'm not here trying to freaking fanboy out for anybody, you know. But he uh, like Mark Griffin, that dude is one of my favorite people. <laughs> and uh, if you're single, Mark, he'll uh, <laughs> make arrangements. So. Uh, no, but uh, uh, NWA Gold is here, too, uh, wrestling with the NBA. Uh, Stinson, you post too many dang pictures, dude. Like, what's what's Where's going that? on with you? I got people asking me about the Gilmore Girls shirt. Like, uh, you got any footage of Gary <laughs> doing scenes from the Gilmore Girls? <laughs> yeah. That's what the people want to uh, know. I got, shirt, I got some crap today about us not social distancing. Like, I, uh, you know, it was, it was just all out on the interwebs today. But, yeah. What could he do? I was happy to see my boys. So was I was like, I we, I did too, man. I, I know that uh, that uh, Will and Gary are a little more woke than I am, but I was like, I wonder what are these guys gonna feel about a hug, man? Is that cool? We just hugged it out, man. It was like natural. It's like <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll I'll you know I'm gonna throw caution to the wind. This is worth it to me. <laughs> I was holding my breath the whole time just in case. <laughs> we did have our masks, yeah. though. We did wear masks, so we just obviously weren't gonna wear them in a photo. So no, we, yeah, did. We, we, we had our, we had our masks and we were, we were responsible. I told everybody I wore my mask anytime I interacted with anybody that wasn't in our little circle there. Like yeah. We had our own table. Like we were in our, we were, like, we were different from everybody else. Every time we went out to order food or drinks, we had our mask on. So we did, we did everything that was responsible, you know? So we didn't, we, we that's made all you a, could in, do. Yeah. That's all. 
know. There's no way we were all going to see each other in person for the first time at the same time and not make out. So I don't know what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it just is what it is. It is what it is, man. COVID be damned. There we are. <laughs> Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. I mean, I say a lot. I mean, we've got a lot of Eddie Kingston stuff to talk about. We've, uh, we've, we're seeing a collision course in the works between Nick Aldis and Eddie Kingston. And I know all day long, all three of us have been nothing but Eddie Kingstoning all day. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. We've been just look, looking at Eddie Kingston interviews and reading about Eddie Kingston. Like, we're excited. I mean, because I already knew, because straight up, I didn't know Eddie Kingston except for really like seeing him randomly like clips and stuff like that. But when he came into the NWA, it was my first encounter with him like full time. And our, that guy was top notch. And, uh, and, and, and I think we've said it like a hundred times. Um, and you know, James Lawrence in the chat is asking for his dollar predicting this match was coming. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think when we've called out feuds that we'd like to see Kingston and Aldis, uh, has always been on that list. And uh, then this past couple of weeks, it's started to happen. Eddie Kingston issued the challenge. All this seems to have accepted. We haven't gotten much more news beyond that. But uh, so because of that, potential matchup that's coming up some point, probably in an empty arena somewhere, uh, we're going to be talking about Eddie Kingston tonight. Just a, just an Eddie Kingston celebration, if you will. And... Uh, other than that, though, uh, do you guys, before we, we, we dig into all of that stuff, uh, what, anything in wrestling been catching your interest? Any news you've heard of or anything else you want to talk about? Chat room, anything you guys got uh, Not, before nothing, we jump into Eddie? Nothing here, man. I did. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, I did reopen the uh, the NWA podcast title challenge. That was something that kind of uh, was going a little bit um, before and then things got rocky in the wrestling biz as we all know and kind of got shuffled but I, I i was keeping track of all that trying to put together a nice tournament bracket of uh nominated submitted uh title belts but just didn't have enough to really make it uh you know fun uh so i kind of reissued that challenge i've gotten a pretty good response but if you guys haven't seen that uh we're gonna do a uh, uh like a user voted uh, tournament bracket of title belts, any title, any promotion, any point in history, just post a picture of the belt itself and put hashtag NWA pod title challenge. You can find that on my tweets or uh, the NWA pod at the NWA pod uh, Twitter account as well. And uh, yeah, man, hoping to get a bunch of those together and um, putting together a nice little, little tournament. I think that'd be fun for everyone to vote on. And, you know, Obviously, ten pounds of gold. It's like a, it's like an honorary nomination. You don't have to nominate that one. We all know that is definitely in the tournament. Um, so you know, think of something a little more obscure or a little more uh, under, underknown or underappreciated, uh, just to make things interesting would be pretty cool. So yeah, get get those in if you hadn't already. Um, I wanted to bring attention to hot tags, which is uh, I know that. Uh, uh, Will is going to be humble here, but we were starting something new on our channel uh, in collaboration with our, our brother in the NWA fam, Jason Cayley, uh, out of the Alliance blog every Friday at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Is that right, Will? Yep. Over and they're going to basically uh, run through. And, we're, and this is easy. This is easy content. I know that, you know, we like to come in here and hang out. And, you you know, 
you might be hanging out here with us for two or three hours. You 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 never know with our on 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 NW After Dark, but the the hot tags is very easily digestible. It's fifteen to twenty minutes, and they're talking about the issue of the week, and they're just going at it. Two of the great minds, you know, in my opinion, Will and and Kaylee, and they're talking about uh um, what's really hot at the moment in wrestling, and and we're so happy to to be able to to build this synergy and this collaboration with a true friend, and in my mind. Um, one of the most indispensable voices in in the business period, and that's Kaylee. Uh, so the, he's working with us uh, every Friday at three o'clock. Um, this is the NWA podcast hot tags right here on this channel. So that that's big news. We saw the first episode this last Friday, and they went through uh, their uh, takes on empty arena matches, and uh, that is relevant for what we're going to be talking about tonight because it may be that the this epic story that's about to be told this this. Uh, this piece of Gre- Greco-Roman mythology that we're about to, to, to witness may take place before no audiences or, or it may, or it may play, you know, we, we don't know that, but it's possible. So, uh, and that came up also. And that's one of the reasons we want to have this big discussion tonight about Kingston and, and uh, the uh, real world champion, Nick Aldis. So, so yeah, that's I'm, big news. I'm a, I'm, I'm super humbled to be working with J Cal on that little segment that we, we, kind of brainstorm together to put together because we just want to create, like you said, as much synergy as we can between this is the NWA podcast and the Alliance because um, we consider ourselves an Alliance, um, you know, when it comes to NWA fam and uh, NWA content. And so it is, it's a fun little discussion. Um, we did talk about empty arena and it, and it is probably a great place to start because we uh, ended the chat um, just with, rapid fire question i asked jay cow hey is uh is nick aldis versus eddie kingston going to be the first nwa empty arena match we see and we both agreed that yeah it probably will be and if there's two guys who can uh pretty much start from nothing um and just go on promos alone and a little bit of twitter beef it's those two guys if you're going to pick two guys on the roster and, and have me bought in uh from the get-go that's that's who it it, it needs to be so I'm on board with this. I love that we're talking about uh, Eddie Kingston tonight. I think it's going to be a fun chat. Um, but I, I, I can't wait to see when that happens. Not if, honestly, for me, it's when. Um, and so it's, it's more of a timeline thing. So, uh, yeah, man, let's just dive into to Eddie Kingston. Let's get to know him a little better and um, shed some light on him. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if this is like considered one of our feud episodes or like how, how we're really rolling with this thing, except uh, we just we just knew we wanted to roll into like talking about this Aldis and Kingston feud. And uh, and so if you haven't already, you can roll back to I keep saying roll. I don't know why. But if, if you want to, you can go back to our Cody and Aldis feud episode. And those two guys, uh, we went, you know, as in depth as we needed to to cover the the crew career trajectories like the parallels between those two guys uh and what they had done in the wrestling business leading up to their epic rivalry they've had where they've had two matches already now the trick with eddie kingston is that uh he and aldis have never crossed paths uh even in impact wrestling where eddie kingston was a mainstay for a little bit uh nick aldis was gone already by the time eddie kingston came in and uh, so they never actually interacted with each other. Although he's interacted with plenty of other superstars, including current members of the NWA. So uh, Eddie Kingston, not at all a career like Nick Aldis, but a solid, like wild, just he, this guy, he's one of those guys who's been everywhere 
and busted his ass in the business. Uh, but I'm sure you guys have done your own research here. So I'll just go kind of a, over an outline of like where we see him in the career. Cause I think the main stuff that we even want to get to, if it sounds like I'm uh, even breezing through things, it's just because we're excited about Kingston versus Aldis. And we definitely want to talk about that, but we do want to give a little background on Eddie Kingston uh, and the best place to start there that I can really find is that he initially trained alongside uh, his, uh, who would be his partner, uh, Black Jack Marciano, um, under Kevin Knight at the Independent Wrestling Federation in Woodland Park, New Jersey. That's where Eddie Kingston uh, got his first start. Now, Eddie Kingston was a pro wrestling fan uh, his whole life. Like, he grew up loving wrestling. Um, he He talks about that uh, he, he was big into, he got, uh, I think in one interview I heard him talking about that he got really into NWA like on Sunday nights in the winter because his dad liked watching other sports during the summer. So during the winter, he would get to watch NWA on TV. Uh, but uh, you get the impression from this guy, he's huge into old school wrestling and he's huge into all Japan. Uh, these are like his two favorites and the reason for that i think i mean i don't think i've ever heard him explicitly say it but it's just that this is a guy who treats wrestling as needing to be real at all times like that's the important part to him and uh so these are the areas where it's always felt the most real um he he talks about his uh like the people that he like aspired to be like, or his favorite wrestlers being guys like ricky morton that's a big one and uh Kenta Kabashi, Kawada, uh, Tommy Dreamer, Bret Hart, Ricky Steamboat, and uh, like with promo wise, like he talks about obviously Dusty Rhodes and those kind of guys, but uh, he also mentions Macho Man Randy Savage as a huge influence. Like uh, I was looking it up, like his uh, discussions about Macho Man during the feud with Hulk Hogan, just talking about the lust in Hulk Hogan's eyes. I went back and like watched those promos and it actually, like I'd forgotten, it's been forever since I watched that, but there's a scene where like Elizabeth's like out in the, on the gurney and like Macho is like in Hogan's face and like yelling at him about like, you, you said she'd never be in trouble. Like you were going to look out for her. I let you bring her out to the ring and now you screwed this up and you screwed me over and blah, blah, blah. And you're saying you're my brother. Well, I hate you. And like, and I see lust in your eyes from my woman and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's, it's actually pretty intense. You can definitely see it there. And uh, Kingston will talk about a lot that, that, that those are the kind of promos he throws on for people all the time. Like, look at this guy, look at this thing. And, uh, but uh, what I always love, too, that he talks about with Ricky Morton, I, I I just remember hearing him discuss, like, he would show, like, guys, Ricky Morton, just talking about one thing in the ring is, like, about what you can do is, is one thing, but take a look at a guy like Ricky Morton who had people dying for him, like, losing their minds over him, and, like, when he's in the ring, it's, like, it was less about, like, what he was managing to do in the ring, but it was, like, how he was selling and why he was doing it. And uh, and those are always the important parts to pay attention to. He wants you to invest every time he's in a match. Um, he lost a little interest in wrestling. Um, <laughs> I even appreciated this as a, as a huge, uh, as I've shown you multiple times on the show. Bret Hart's right over here next to me. Uh, he, he was super into wrestling up until uh, 96 and so many at 12 where Bret Hart lost to Shawn Michaels. And he was entering a certain stage in his life, he does say, but... He lost interest in pro wrestling altogether because he knew Bret Hart was legit and Bret Hart was the shooter 
and how could Shawn Michaels beat him? And then it was just like at that point, it was it was like, this is BS. Like, why am I watching this? And it wasn't until like a little while down the road where he was like hanging out with one of his buddies and his buddy was like, you like wrestling? And he's like, nah, man, I don't screw with wrestling anymore. And he's like, but you got to see this. And he showed him Gangsta's Paradise from ECW. And uh, on that uh, on that show, he got introduced to people like New Jack and Tommy Dreamer. And uh, he thought that Dreamer had that like selling ability that he was talking about with like a Morton and uh, and then guys like Raven, just the promos that they would cut and Shane Douglas, uh, that those guys like brought him back into wrestling. He still, you know, it may sound cliche to some people, but still to this day, he, he says he throws on like the the Steve Austin promo from the ECW days where he talks about how he's going to be the star that he always was supposed to be that nobody would nobody was going to let him so he's just going to do it and uh so you could definitely see like all of these things as an influence because the Eddie Kingston we know and love promos and believability are I, w- I would say like the biggest things we get out of him yeah um and that's not you know that's not something that like <laughs> developed over the years i remember I actually just tweeted out a, a couple minutes ago some pictures from uh 2003 very early very very early in eddie kingston's career when he was he had just left uh um kevin knight and the iwf and had started in chikara pro as uh the, the the wild cards with uh blackjack marciano and uh even then man he was already cutting those kind of promos and and you know it, we've seen interviews where he talks about how how He's just like he always has been. He's just like that 17-year-old kid, just more so <laughs> now today, you know. So, you know, this is not – this isn't an act, man. It's not a skill that, like, was honed in school. What it might have been, I don't know. He might have gotten more polished. But the Eddie Kings that we see now is the one that I've always known since since the early days. Yeah, and a lot of this yeah. makes, makes sense to Gary from – you know, just this background, because I didn't, I actually didn't research a ton about his background once we decided we were going to talk about, I just, I went down the rabbit hole of like his matches and his promos over time, like YouTube, I just, YouTube Eddie Kingston and I was just like, click, click, click. I mean, um, because it's, it's all compelling, man. I, I didn't come across a video uh, of a promo or a match or a feud recap or something like that, that I was like, oh, skip. Like it was just all compelling and it all goes back to what you're talking about, Gary, the fact that his interest in wrestling and his uh, motivation was the realness of it. And I've never seen multiple versions of Eddie Kingston, which you can't really say that about a lot of guys in the business. I've never seen a, a quote unquote shoot interview. They're all shoot interviews. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's himself every time he gets on the mic, like you, you don't see, a character versus reality with him. And I think it's because of what you're saying. I mean, he, to him, wrestling uh, is supposed to be real. It is. And I think we appreciate that. That's why we're NWA fans, because it's the closest thing in, in, in modern day to that, that type of feel and that realness, that authenticity. And that's what drew him in. And when he became uh, a, a pro wrestler himself, Obviously, that was going to be his motivation, and um, so that's that's a really good foundation for probably everything we're going to talk about from from here forward. But I mean, Eddie Kingston, he's Eddie Kingston, man. You're not going to find different versions. You're, you're not going to find on YouTube him him speaking one way in, in one promo and another way in another. Like what you see is what you get, man. And I appreciate that as a wrestling fan. 
You know what the crazier thing too about him is that I that I've grown to love is like Rob mentioned the seventeen year old thing, and and Eddie Kingston always said like the like who he is in wrestling is like seventeen year old him, but like amped up, and uh, that's always the thing you hear about wrestling like be yourself and like amp it up. Although he talks about now as he's gotten older, like he's evolved it a little bit into the Eddie Kingston outside the ring doesn't hold grudges, and the Eddie Kingston doesn't. He doesn't waste time thinking about people that don't think about him uh, is is what he's saying. And so, like, it's it's really interesting to hear him talk about a lot of different things. So, like, the first thing that comes to mind, for instance, as I mentioned, he trained at uh, Independent Wrestling Federation in Woodland Park, New Jersey. Um, he was kicked out of this school. The, the trainer there, Kevin Knight, who, if you hear Eddie Kingston talk about this guy right now, and I, I won't hold back from just mentioning, he says this guy's a, a prick. And like he hates him, <laughs> like he just he says he won't even say that about many people in the business. But he's a joke now. But then at the same time, he'll say, "But if you want to learn the basics, like it's a pretty good school to go to to learn the basics of wrestling." But then you got to move on. It's like what he keeps saying, and so he's like that guy like used him and uh, abused him after a while. But then he was just kind of like, "Whatever." We got kicked out. He moved on. He ended up going to Chikara, uh, to the Wrestle Factory there and training under uh, Chris Hero and Mike Quackenbush. Now, you've seen Chris Hero in NXT, and uh, he had like a little bit of a stint there. And Quackenbush, uh, obviously, he's been in the news a little bit. Uh, we won't hit on all of that stuff. But Chikara uh, now, just recently, because of everything that's been going on in the uh, wrestling world, has closed down uh, just recently. But um, he did a lot of his training there and learned from those guys. Uh, in fact, he made his debut as Eddie Kingston in 2002 uh, at Chikara's seventh event where him and Blackjack Marciano, uh, they were known, their team was known, ironically enough, as the Wild Cards. And uh, so they uh, they made their debut there. And uh, by 2004, they were the tag team champions. Um, and uh, they they had a lot of success. And, and, and here's the thing with Eddie Kingston. Here's the tough part with him is that this guy was in Chikara, but as an independent wrestler, something he prided himself on. And, uh, and he, even in interviews, like he'll, uh, he'll credit a lot of what he was able to accomplish. Like he, he said some good stuff about people like Colt Cabana and then the young bucks, just about the, the making your way as an independent wrestler and making that be a legitimate career. Uh, but while he was in, uh, Chikara, he also by like 2005 through 2007, it's it's hard to like tell you everything this guy was doing because he was everywhere. Like he was all over the place, and like he he was in feuds uh, with people like uh, Sabian, Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, which you know is Cesaro now. Um, I think he did uh, Sammy Callahan, Ian Rotten. Like he he had just like all sorts of different feuds going on at all sorts of different places. So he was in Shikara. He was also in CZW. Uh, he ended up becoming the uh, first Shikara Grand Champion, um, I think, in 2011. And I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around because I'm trying to get my timeline right here. I was like trying to write it down as I went. And uh, but he he also ended up. Somewhere in there, like around, uh, what was it, 2012, he had bounced into Ring of Honor, too. So now he's in, like, three major independent promotions. Right. Like, in uh, 
So Shakara, CZW, and Ring of Honor. And he wasn't like a small bit player in any of these places. He was rocking tag team titles or he was in major feuds. And it's easy to see why. I mean, the guys, like we've talked about a hundred times, his promos are like nobody else's. And he's good in the ring. And uh, so uh, by the time he had busted into Ring of Honor, he had, he had made his team up with Homicide. Um, and so right. Outlaw Inc. was actually born in that time period who you've seen in the NWA right now. Um, and they, they made their debut in ring of honor going right after the tag team champions, which were Bobby fish and Kyle O'Reilly at the time. And uh, so just he's, he's, he's been in the ring with the who's who of people. In fact, in ring of honor right there, he ended up getting into a huge feud with Kevin Steen, AKA Kevin Owens, and even challenged Kevin Owens, for the Ring of Honor World's Heavyweight Championship as well. So, Eddie Kingston, just the everyman, all over the place, just fighting, just constantly fighting. That's what he does. He's good. Right. And there's a lot of stuff there that that you just uh, went over, you know, and uh, obviously we he, he's got so much uh, so much mileage in his career in those days that we can't cover everything in detail. I did want to point out a couple of things. Uh, he, he's from New York. Uh, Chikara Pro is based out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and Philadelphia in that area. So this is he's 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 driving back and forth on a weekly basis to to do this. And in, in between, there's also this is at the height of like ECW and the, the emergence of Extreme Championship Wrestling and that whole movement. So he's also doing things like 3PW. That was a small promotion out of uh, uh, Philadelphia that Jasmine St. Clair was running, and uh, you would have guys like uh, uh, Balls Mahoney and Homicide that would do that same show, and he would pop up from time to time. Um, he, um, he was on this, uh, one of my favorite, I have this cassette. I pulled it off my son and actually, and I were actually at the show. This is May the 24, 2003, where he and Blackjack Marciano wrestled in a match that involved, uh, Mike Quackenbush, Grant Akuma, who is really one of the best. And then Hallow Wicked, something about Eddie Kingston is like, even those, you don't really, a, a, as intense a guy that Eddie Kingston is, he doesn't really bury a lot of people there are a few like he doesn't have a lot of positive things to say about like kevin knight and he has some strong words for chris hero and some different folks but even then he'll give them props he'll be like you know if you want to learn basics the iwf school is a good place to learn basics i'm not going to say that we clicked in all this and he has a i mean he has got some very harsh things to say about him but uh like mike quackenbush he'll go on saying you know mike quackenbush can have a temper but i understood that and mike quackenbush gave me a chance where nobody else would and I'm a very loyal person. That's one thing that always comes across with Kingston. He's very loyal. Um, and, uh, you know, um, but he's doing all this stuff, man. I mean, he's having epic feuds. One of the great feuds he ever had. I, I don't even know. I didn't do a YouTube search or anything, but he had a, a, a feud with a guy named Hallow Wicked that was a big in Chikara Pro. And you guys might even know who that is. Uh, Chikara is just a different style of, of, of promotion. Even like the, the, the shows that they would package like these came across like a combination of um, of mystery science theater and like pop-up video where they've got the matches and then they have all these little animations that pop up. Really interesting, but different. And, uh, uh, but, you know, Eddie Kingston is emerging here as a, as a guy that's like trying to find his style. And he, I don't even know that it's right to say he has a style because he really is quite intelligent and is informed by so many things from, from old school NWA to the to uh, the strong style in Japan, a new uh, uh, all Japan was what really influenced him, 
And then, of course, Extreme Championship Wrestling was what brought him back into wrestling after the whole Montreal Screwjob thing. So he's got all these competing influences. And, and Eddie Kingston is a bigger guy now. But in 2003, you know, he's not a big guy. He's not much bigger than I am. He's just a real tenacious guy and just a hard worker. And he's building up this, like, this repertoire and this, and this uh, resume of just doing his time, pulling his duty, building respect, uh, treating the, the, the business appropriately and becoming one of the most respected journeymen in the game, you know, and, and, and then he emerges in ring of honor and really starts to, to place himself on the map. So anyway, I, I do want to also say that the, the Chikara grand championship that he held, he was the first champion to ever, or the first man to hold that particular title. And he held it for 940, uh, 924 days, the longest reigning Chikara grand champion now that's not a world's championship but it was it's a, it's a championship of some consideration when you think of like mike quackenbush and Wicked and other guys that have done that grant akuma and some other guys that are highly respected and just to put that in perspective we're now on day 631 of nick aldis's reign if you count the 266 days of his first reign nick aldis is now at uh at day 897 three days away from 900 so uh eddie kingston in one reign in Chikara, as the Chikara Grand Champion, held the belt for 924 days in a very, very active promotion where he's, you know, working against top-notch components day in, day out, traveling all, all throughout the Northeast doing it. So that's, that is a, a great testament to his ability. Absolutely. And if, if you look at, I mean, you just mentioned it, but I mean, who, who he was feuding with during that time, who, who you know, else would essentially be in the running for that title. I mean, yes, you're right. It's not a, a, a world's title um, in, in that sense, but he was representing an entire promotion, an entire brand. And he did that for over 900 days. Like that's in and of itself, that's an accomplishment, no matter how you cut it. Um, we talk about it all the time and pro wrestling is the greatest thing on earth. And uh, there's tons of promotions and we don't, you know, we're obviously NWA fans primarily, but we, we don't bury other promotions and we don't uh, sit and judge different levels and, and have an elitist mentality. We think there's there's enough uh, pro wrestling to go around for everybody. And so the fact remains that he sat atop of a promotion that was very active, as you said. Um, I think they did take some time off during his reign, uh, took a little hiatus and came back. But hey, we're doing that right now. So, I mean, that's that's nothing new. Um, and that's what happens when you're an independent promotion. But uh, the fact, again, remains that he was on top of that promotion. He was the face of it as their champion for that long. That's commendable. That's 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 real. You know? Yeah, 100 percent. And Rob, you 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 made an interesting point, too. I wanted to hit on a little bit. You talked about how he would there was like very few people that he would bury. Um but even then, he was still like, as far as like Kevin Knight and his training, he was still, uh, that's one path I wanted to go down just a little bit. It's like, well, if you want to learn the basics, though, you can go to this place. And uh, it, it's like, he seems to have this, like, he, it's part of what makes him authentic, I think, or like you even believe him more because he's very uh, just honest, like just overly honest, like not, not like even in the sense that like, he tells you why he could see both sides of what's going on. You know, he's like, yeah, I hate this guy, but 
I can also see why he hates me, you know, <laughs> like that sort of thing. He's always like that. And uh, I think that that makes you kind of appreciate that. You're like, I think he's probably telling the truth about everything here because he doesn't seem to care either way. And uh, he, uh, I mean, even in, in a sense, like in, in uh, an interview with, uh, we, we, we talked about it a little bit before we went live uh, with uh, Chris Van the Leet. Um, you know, they, he, he talked about it. It's like, it's kind of sad. We don't see you in like AEW or WWE. And he's like, he's like, it just doesn't make sense. And he's like, nah, it makes sense. He was like, if they had something for me, they would call me up and use me. And obviously they don't see anything they can use me for. So there it is. <laughs> like, you know, he's just kind of like, that. that's all me. Like I got, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they don't, they don't have something for me. And uh, it's just, you, you, I don't feel like you see many people that just have that like mentality about it that he's all, he's like taking responsibility for for what he's doing in every single thing uh that he does and uh it, it's just i don't know I, I just i really like that side of him uh also uh, worth mentioning too if you if you can you can look it up uh 2011 he has a match uh with Mike Quackenbush for that uh that championship that Rob uh just talked about a lot there and uh it's an amazing match it's it's uh considered by a lot to be kingston's best match i think or a lot of i, I he won't tell you his favorite match because he just isn't that way i guess but uh uh he he does describe that as the match most people ask him about or talk to him about that say they love so uh he gives that um and, and yeah, like like you guys were talking about there's just so much stuff to go over like i mean the guy was just like bouncing all over the place and uh but uh, somewhere in there, he also ended up in Jersey All Pro Wrestling. He uh, did a stint there. Um, this was like in the 2010 period. Uh, he was running up against uh, – he and Homicide were actually together there uh, during that period. And uh, they were uh, competing against guys like uh, you might know, like Dan Moff, who is in Ring of Honor right now, who was just at the Hard Times pay-per-view for uh, NWA. And uh, – then the biggest time, probably the thing that most people know Kingston for prior to NWA is he went to Impact Wrestling. So he was in TNA and he joined Impact Wrestling uh, by becoming of a faction that was like really mysterious and covered up and like they were on mass, uh, they wore masks and their voices were changed and stuff. And then they ended up busting in uh, to attack a group called the Tribunal. Uh, and, uh, they got into a feud with them and like the broken hardies and that sort of thing. But his crew was called the death crew council. And, uh, that crew consisted of Eddie Kingston, Thomas Latimer, and, uh, who am I missing there? And, uh, James Storm. I don't know why I almost forgot, but, uh, so Eddie Kingston, James Storm and Thomas Latimer. So, uh, people you all know right now from NWA. And so it was kind of cool to see that. I was actually not familiar. I was never like a huge impact guy, but uh, they ran as a crew for a little while. Uh, like I said, feuding with the Hardys. Uh, they uh, ended up getting into some trouble with uh, Eli Drake during that time. So like there was a whole feud thing that they had going on there. And uh, basically, again, just like a, a who's who kind of thing. Uh, Eddie Kingston was in and out of title pictures throughout Impact. He ended up... Uh, the, the hard part with the Impact stuff for me was is that it seems like he gets into something. 
Uh, they ended up having a feud like Bran, Thomas Latimer, and him like broke apart from James Storm. So there was a feud with James Storm, but then it was just kind of like they disappeared. And it just like they just stopped using Eddie Kingston. Um, I think he hits on him a little bit in that Van Vliet um, interview that they were just paying per appearance at that time. So they just would just pay you to show up and you didn't have like a guaranteed contract or anything. So he felt like during that time that it was not the best point in his career, but it was exposure, but they didn't have any ideas for him. And he's, he talks specifically now about not being interested in a place with no plans or ideas for him. Going back to that point I made about AEW and WWE, he's like, I don't even want to go up to a place unless they know exactly how they would use me or they know what they need me to do. Uh, because otherwise what's the point I did that already. And uh, so he describes his time and impact that exact same way that they just like, he accepted it because he didn't get paid if he wasn't on the show. And so, but they never really knew what they were doing. They were just throwing them in all these different feuds and these different angles, just wherever they could find an empty spot for him. Um, so that was around 2017 in uh, October. Uh, he did return in May of 2018, coming back to help out the Latin American Exchange, LAX, uh, when Conan uh, was taken out as the leader of the group. Uh, this led into that whole period of time when there was Homicide and Hernandez. So he obviously had some connections with Homicide. So he was managing the group for a little bit. Homicide ended up getting eliminated. And uh, King kind of assumed the leadership role in LAX and took the new guys, uh, Ortiz and Santana, who you may know from AEW now, um, and led them to the Impact World Championship. And uh, or tag team championship, sorry. Uh, when Conan uh, and uh, was it Diamante returned, uh, they they got into kind of a kerfluffle with Kingston about his running of LAX, and uh, they ended up uh, getting into the like the homicide in Hernandez faction of LAX became the OGs, and then there was the LAX that was led by Kingston, which was uh, the Ortiz and Santana version, they ended up getting into uh, a concrete jungle death match in Impact. And uh, the OGs lost that match. And maybe I mixed that up. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Will, I don't know. Maybe you know this a little bit better than me. But uh, no, I, um, I actually didn't follow uh, Impact that much either. I was, <laughs> I, I kind of was aware of, of people around that time who were in Impact. So, uh, but I, I wasn't following storylines or anything like that, so I, I don't have any any further insight on that. Maybe people in the chat do that uh, were actually Impact fans around that time that could give us some some insight into how that uh, went down. Either case, like after that matchup, that was really the last time anybody saw Eddie Kingston in TNA. Um, he just kind of, after a few weeks, was moved to their alumni section, and he just kind of faded out again. Um and that's uh, that's not a knock on Kingston. That just seems like management issues or something going on there. But it was during that time, though, I will say that, like, I read a lot about there were interactions with people like Billy Corgan uh, during that period. So you can see where that relationship might have developed. Obviously, the stuff with Eli Drake and Latimer and uh, James Storm and all that stuff. So he's got connections all throughout with, a lot of the NWA roster. 
uh, pretty much after that period, uh, like Kingston just was independent wrestling, but he announced in 2019 basically uh, that I don't I don't know exactly if you hear him describe it, he describes it a lot. It's like, he was just kind of, he had bought a house. He's like hanging out in his house. He's drinking a lot and he's just there. And he's just wrestling. He becomes disillusioned with wrestling altogether. I've been through a lot in wrestling, uh, which is fine. You know, everyone goes through a lot. Like I'm not special. You know what I'm saying? Everyone go, a lot of people have had it worse than me just in life and in wrestling. I'm an emotional creature, you know what I mean? I wear my heart on my sleeve and stuff. And uh, so one day uh, I had a couple of drinks. I'm a little bit of a drinker. I slowed down, but I uh, had a couple of drinks, man. And I saw something on, uh, on, on TV. I'm not gonna say what company. And it just, uh, it just ripped at my chest, like my soul, like I was hurting. Cause what I saw was just, just wasn't right. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not gonna get into the details cause uh, I don't want to bury nobody, you know what I'm saying? But uh, people know who they are and, and what's going on, you know what I'm saying? I'm not perfect either, I'm not saying I am, but just that situation and like, I started getting drunker and drunker watching this thing go down and you know, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I went on YouTube and then watched that same thing I didn't like over and over and I just let it eat at me and I'm drinking more and more whiskey and I'm eating at me. So then I just flipped out and I'm a homeowner now, so like, if anything happens in the house, it's on me. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? So I just flipped out and I took the bottle of Jameson, empty bottle, broke it against the wall and I started putting holes in my wall and I was screaming and yelling, you know, just drunk madness, you know? And then uh, in my head, it was like, I'm gonna tweet at this person and I'm gonna text this person and then I'm gonna call this person, you know what I mean? I'm gonna blow this up and just I became real vindictive, you know what I mean? And uh, thank God I went to bed. And I went to bed, I woke up the next morning, my hands were all bloody from hitting the wall and stuff. And I woke up and I saw the broken glass and I saw the holes in the wall. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't let this eat at me anymore. Uh, that's when I tweeted it out. It's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So it's like, well, at the end of the year, if something crazy doesn't happen, I'm done. And when I said something crazy, everyone knows what that meant. Um, like getting a contract somewhere, making good money. And uh, I didn't want to say contract because it felt like it was, I was begging, you know? So I put that out there and, and, and I was dead set on it, you know? Um, I have someone living with me in my house and uh, I told them, hey man, uh, by December start looking for a new place, you know? Because I looked up places in Oregon to live, uh, Alaska, I looked up a couple places because I've always done construction. When I wasn't wrestling, I was doing construction, so. I was like, oh, I'll just get my welder's license again. I'll go back to ironworking in New York, save enough money, and then just move to the middle of nowhere. Like I was actually on Google. I was gonna get rid of my phone, had this all planned out already. My mother and father were gonna have my number and my brother, and then that's it. So, you know, and my family's like, hey, whatever you wanna do, as long as you're safe and, you know, they'll support me, you know? So then my brother uh, had his kid. Uh, again, with wrestling, you're busy, so I didn't get a chance to, meet the kid yet my nephew so 
about, my nephew was about seven months old and I remember my brother goes, hey, meet your nephew. So I meet him and I'm looking at him in his eyes and I'm just like, oh my God, he's, he's one of us. You know, he's, he's uh, my last name, my real last name's Moore. So to me, I looked at him, I was like, oh my God, this is a baby boy, this is a Moore. Like I can see it in his eyes, it's a Moore. And like, I got choked up, like I said, I'm an emotional person. I got choked up and I was like, mom, take the kid, take the kid, you know what I mean? Get him away from me. Then my brother goes to me, he goes, hey man, I need you to help me, you know, I need you to help me raise my son to be, you know, show him how to be a man a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, it's my nephew, of course. He goes, so, but then he goes, check this out, this is how he got me. He goes, awesome, man, like, we, I can tell my son, your nephew, that if you work hard and you never quit, you can, you can get whatever you want. I said, yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell him that. He goes, well, how can I tell him that when his uncle quit? I said, wow. He said, all right, man, enjoy that six-hour car drive home from Buffalo back to Yonkers, New York, you know what I mean, before I go back to Florida. And just, you know, it weighed on me, and I didn't know what to do, and then um, it was like network special, and then a bunch of other things started happening. Then my brother told me what he told me. So things started, like, lining up. And then uh, I just announced it on, uh, on an interview on High Spots with Ethan Page. And I was just like, look, man, I'm here now. That's it. No more retirement talk. I'm just going to keep going till the wheels fall off until people stop booking me. You know what I mean? Um, and the little bit of an ego that I do have, I, I don't think anyone's better than me. I, I felt like that for 17 years. And maybe I wasn't right for all 17, but shit, I feel like I'm right for the, at least the last four. You know, it'd be, like I said, it'd be 18 in October. I feel like last five years, no one can touch me. You know, like I don't do a lot of crazy things, but I tell great stories. You know what I mean? And, and, and I fight. I'm not like, I put so much pressure on myself to get that contract. But now knowing that, okay, I'm here and I'm here to the end. You know what I mean? There's no more pressure. You know, so I, I come to Evolve, I come to Progress, I come. Uh, AIW, AAW, whatever, all these other places I work, WXW, like it doesn't, I'm just having fun now, you know what I mean, there's no more pressure. Uh, is there still a want for something? Yeah, of course, like, I want to kind of feel like the 17 years wasn't a waste, you know what I mean, like, and I know I can, I can whatever, we'll speak frankly about it, I know I can go on NXT and, and, and do something, you know, I know I can, I know I can go to AEW and do something. I know I can go NWA, I can go whatever other impact. I already proved it with impact when they brought me back. I know I can, and, and, and everyone's like, oh, you're a great promo. Yeah, that's fine, that's cool. Like, I can also do it in the ring. And I've been doing it in the ring and I've been showing it. And places like Evolve have let me do it. And over the years, all the promotions I ever worked for let me do it, you know? So that's the confidence I have in myself, you know? I may not have the best body, you know, which is it's a hard thing, I like to eat. You know what I mean? I'll lift weights all day and then I'll have a burrito later, right after, you know? But, I know I can do it. You know what I mean? I'm, all I need, uh, all I need is an opportunity. Inside, I know for a fact, you give me an opportunity, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deliver. And if I don't deliver, then fire me, and then, but at least I know I, I, got a I got a real hard chance. You know what I mean? And that's it. But that's just the way I look at it. So I'm here to the wheels fold off, folks. You know, so those who don't like me too bad, you're gonna have to see me do, people who do like me, you know, I'm around for you. <laughs> you know, that's it, man. And it's all because of my nephew, Evan, and my brother, Eric. So, thank them or yell at them. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, 
<laughs> I wasn't I wasn't gonna show that whole thing, but then like everything else that Eddie Kingston does, like as I was like listening to it, I, I just kind of forgot what we were doing again. <laughs> so like I was just like, uh, I guess we're just watching this now the whole way through. <laughs> so hope hope, uh, that, hope everybody at home enjoys that. No, that that was great, man. And I, I don't know, it, it was a little bit choppy. So sorry for everyone watching if if the video was choppy, but the audio came through good. Um, and man, like that's, you know, that's what I love about Eddie, man. He just, he, he, he's real. He doesn't hold back, um, that authenticity. He said something and I I saw, I I did watch the high spots interview that he talked about where he tells that story about his nephew and, um, it's pretty emotional, man. You can tell he's, he's, he's really invested. It's not a storyline. Um, it's, it's his real life and that's, what's motivating him. And he's very, uh, He's very focused on family, on uh, you know personal values and principle and things like that, uh, which makes for a compelling story. We talk about it all the time with authenticity. Um, but one thing he talks about a lot, and he mentioned it in that interview too, is you know, his ability to tell stories. And I think that's what he, uh, whether he's on the mic or in the ring, he's focused on telling a good story. And that's one of the things that uh, has gotten a little lazy in, in mainstream professional wrestling in the last decade or so where it's, you know, now the stories are told by, by writers in a conference room, you know, or something like that. Whereas one of the reasons why uh, I think he's been, you know, able to stay uh, in different promotions and things like that, even not under contract, um, making appearances is because they know that, that he's going to show up and he's going to tell a good story, even if it's just for one night. Um, because that's what he does and that's what wrestling is built on for him. And so um, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm super stoked that he's in the NWA because I think he fits that mold perfectly. Uh, a guy who wants to tell stories, wants everything to make sense. Um, and he's right, man. He does it in the ring as well as he does on the mic. I mean, we tend to put him over way more as a promo um, because, man, his, his promos are just unheard of killer. Like, it's it's like a breath of fresh air for for us wrestling fans but um he does he tells the same kind of story in the ring and uh he's consistent with it and so i i you know i i'm i'm stoked to have him around obviously in the nwa but uh glad he didn't retire i'm glad his his nephew and his brother were able to uh, inspire him to to stay the course and now we're getting to enjoy what we're getting to enjoy with eddie kingston in, in the national wrestling alliance gosh and that sets up to me like one of potentially the greatest stories that we will have seen or will get to participate in in a long, long time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Cody Aldis and Nick, uh, Cody, Cody Rose and Nick Aldis is a great story. Marty Skrull and Nick Aldis is a great story. But what about Nick Aldis and Eddie Kingston? This, that, that simple tweet that um, Eddie Kingston sw- uh, sent out last week that Nick Aldis responded to and that others like Ricky Morton have chimed in on has really sent reverberations around the wrestling world. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I look forward to, like if, uh, if you're talking Eddie Kingston and Nick Aldis is, uh, uh, God, there's so many things that still I wanted to hit on. Like it just, you know, just hearing that story, like you can feel the passion in what Kingston's talking about when he's telling that story. Um, uh, one of the things he said in one interview I heard, wherever it was, is, you know, in that period where he was getting ready to retire, he made this great quote. And maybe this is from somewhere else, but I wasn't aware of it. But he said to him, love is the highest form of understanding. And 
he got into a point where he didn't understand what wrestling was doing anymore. And he was falling out of love with it. It was crazy to hear him talk about like a guy like that, especially a talks like that was just going to go like put himself out in the middle of nowhere. somewhere. he talked about like Alaska or something like just getting a cabin out in the middle of the woods and like talking to just his parents and his brother. And that was going to be it. Nobody else would even get his number. Uh, but uh, that, 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 that conversation with his brother that, brought him back about you know he he says he wrestles for his niece and nephew now like he's doing it for them to show that like he wants them to be able to say like my uncle's a pro wrestler they're like prove it he's gonna be somewhere doing it and he says like he said in that 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 promo there uh till the wheels fall off he says he's in it now like he's found his passion and his love for the wrestling business again and he's there until he cannot do it anymore and even in one of the interviews uh I think it was the Chris Van Vliet one again. He he asked him, you know, well, so what if you retired? Like, that's not retiring is not quitting and, you know, whatever. And he's like, I haven't achieved everything I would have ever wanted to achieve yet. So I wasn't retired. My body can still do this. I was quitting. He's like, in wrestling, if you can still go and you choose not to, you, you quit. And, uh, He's like, so this is not the same thing. And uh, so he's like, now, now I will not quit and I'll be there. I'm going to be there as long as I can do this thing. And he's even talked about that. Like uh, he said, he wouldn't name names, but I know I've heard this even in the backstage stuff of the NWA that he's even thought like, what's the body breaks down? What's next? Maybe an agent, maybe a manager, like all of this stuff. Like he's, he's yeah. back in love with the wrestling business and he's in it. Because he was contemplating, hey, I want to go off to Alaska. I've been a welder. I want to go off at Montana, out west, and just be by myself. That was his plan. You know, when he left the business, when he was thinking about retiring, he was just going to fade away. I've got this new phone number. I'm going give, to give it to my family. No one's ever going to hear from Eddie Kingston again. I like, like I left football in high school and never went back. I did this, and it was my income and my job for many years, and I'm never going to look back. I'm always going to look forward, but – Man, and we're all family men, and most of us that are listening in tonight are, are family men. And you cannot help but, gosh, man, how, how how good. And it's not because he's, like, trying to do it. It's not like this is like he he, he sets out to, like, pull your emotional heartstrings or to pull upon your your psyche and all that. He just does it because he's so genuine. And, and like, like everybody else in the NWA, he just does it so much better than most. But he tells a story about, you know, why – why he decided to stay. And he's like, yeah, it was really, it had to do with my brother having his son, Evan is his son's name. And I'm sitting here now, I'm an uncle. And he's like, I'm holding, cause I, you know, we've been, I, I've been there. Will's been there, you know, and I, we, I can picture myself in this situation, just like having this handing my, my, my son or my daughter off to my brother and my brother looking and saying, wow, you did this. Yeah. This is, he's one of us. Yeah. And so now, you know, Eddie Kingston's like, I, I do this for Evan. And he's since, I think he's had a niece now. He's got a, a, ne a nephew and a niece that he holds very close because he's very close to his brother. And, uh, and he does this for him. But again, he says, he, I, I want, you know, I want my niece and nephew to be able to go off to school and say, man, my uncle's this freaking awesome dude. He's a pro wrestler. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Here he is. And, and know that he's, I just can't help but think like when I talk to, for those of you who, uh, and I don't want to get into a lot of personal stuff, but just like, you know, I can't help but think of like uh, someone who's just like dying to be a dad themselves. 
You know what I mean? Eddie Kingston is like eternally single. He's he dates and he's a good looking guy, you know, and he's cool. He's dated around and all that, but he's a single guy and he'll he'll you know, he'll talk about that. But it seems to me like this is a guy who just cherishes like being a role model, even though he will go out on Twitter and say things like, I'm not a good guy. Or he'll, you know, he's got a hard uh, exterior and it's a very truthful exterior. He was raised in, you know, in, in uh, on, on hard streets and he had he had a family, but but everything that you're seeing that he packages, none of that's an invention. I mean, he knows what it's like to steal cable. He knows what it's like to go without food. He knows what it's like to, to see violence around him. He was a violent person, he says. He's been in jail a couple of times. He's dabbled in this and that. He's been to rehab. He's He's done the whole thing. He will tell you right now that he's not happy with any piece of work he's ever done. No match. He's like, what's your favorite match? I don't have one. None of my matches live up to this. He'll, 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 he's confident in his ability. He knows he's, he'll give it every, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll leave everything on the mat, you know, but he'll look back and it's like, you know, their fans might say that this match, my work with Quack or my work with, uh, with um, so-and-so is good. But me, I'm not pleased with anything. He's so humble, you know. He's so humble and yet he's so smash mouth. I don't know. He's just nobody else does it like that. He talks about a lot that like uh, you know, no matter what he does, like his goal when he steps into the ring, the end of the day is he it says and I quote, like, you will feel me like every time I'm out there. And uh and and, and that's it, man. And the thing about it that I think about that gets me really excited. I think it's we, we talked all day. I mean, multiple times about seeing Nick Aldis versus Eddie Kingston, but the exciting part to me, even more so now, even more than just the promos that the guys are going to put on, you know those two with their promos against each other, coming at each other from different angles are going to be fire. But also, has Nick Aldis ever faced anybody like Eddie Kingston before? Because I don't know that he has. Like, Eddie Kingston is coming at this thing from a different place than – most of these opponents that Nick Aldis has had, like he's he's not a Marty Skrull, you know, he's he's not a Tim Storm. Like he, Eddie Kingston is rough and tumble, ready to go, and he talks about it in the ring. I mean, another example of what we talked about earlier, where he's like, he's got things he likes and things he doesn't, but he also will give props where it's deserved. He talks about like places like AEW and the flippy stuff and all of that. He's like, not for me, man, and he's like, it's not, it's just not for me. Like I can't do it. That's not a thing I do, so I respect it. I appreciate it. Good for you. But I promise you, if I punch you in the face, you are not going to flip anywhere. And uh, and he talks about that exact thing. He's like, when I'm in the ring, he's like, I want it to be a real fight. It's always going to be a real fight. And he's like, in every match I have, there's something real about it. He's like, the, the thing I'm thinking of, like he gave the example, he's like, if I'm in a match where a dude's just talking a lot of shit, one of the first things I'm going to do is try to bite his damn tongue out. <laughs> and I'm like, man, and I'm like, well, you know, that's what's going to happen with Nick Aldis. <laughs> like, I mean, is, is Nick Aldis ready for the dude who's going to try to bite his tongue out? <laughs> like, it's going to be like that. I mean, Eddie Kings is going to come for him and going to like, just, he's going to hit him hard. And it's going to be a brawl. It's not going to be an elegant, like, uh, you know, what is it like a uh, world of sports style, like arm drags and takeovers and stuff like that. Like you had with Marty Skrull at uh, Crockett Cup. This is going to be like punching each other in the face and taking it outside. And it's going to be a fight. And that's I'm excited because I don't know if we've seen Nick Aldis have to really go at it with somebody like that yet. 
Right. I mean, so maybe so maybe far, not on the. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead, Will. The, so far, I mean, that that's the thing that's intrigued me is that watching uh, on the inside the NWA uh, where he talked about it, and there was a promo that he did recently. Uh, I, I won't quote it because the language is not permissible on a show like this where we're not totally family friendly, but uh, you know, it, it's pretty extreme. But uh, since he's called out Nick Aldis, um, the motivation here, it, it, it's interesting because it's, it, it's similar to stuff we've seen, but it's, it's at the same time, vastly different because when you hear Eddie Kingston talk about fighting Nick Aldis, yes, he puts over the world's title and says that in his opinion, that's the, the biggest title in professional wrestling right now. And Nick Aldis has it, but he talks about it just in terms of a fight. You know, a lot of guys you hear, a lot of times you hear guys and they will focus on that title. And we love that. We put that over on this show a lot. The fact that title should be prestigious and it should mean something. He makes it mean something while at the same time, making it clear that he just wants to fight the dude. That's the best fighter in the world, you know, and, and, in his opinion, Nick Aldis holds that belt right now. So that means that the world thinks that he's the best fighter. Well, he wants to go prove him wrong because he thinks he's a better fighter. And he taught, you know, he he specifically says grappler, which I love because that's not, not a term you hear in a lot of promos that he says, Hey, Nick Aldis is a great grappler. I'm better. That's what he said. And stuff like that to me, it just takes things to a, a whole nother level because these other storylines, you talk about Cody and you talk about Skrull you talk about James Storm, even when they had a feud, there was there was other elements in there that made it interesting. And those are all great. But you're right. We haven't seen a feud with Nick Aldis where it's literally just here's this guy who thinks that, yes, you're the, the title that you hold is the best in the world. And because you have it, that means the world thinks that you're the best. But he just wants to fight you and beat you and get that title so that he's the best grappler, best fighter in the world like that's when you want to talk about a prize fight mentality that's it there's no yeah. other storyline there's no other like oh nick aldis you piss me off because you carry yourself this way or i just don't like your personality it's literally just two guys fighting and you know nick, nick aldis to this point uh we may see as the storyline develops but he hasn't fired back at, at eddie about anything about not liking his personality or having any kind of styles clash or anything like that it's literally just been, here's a prize fight. This guy wants the title because I've got it. Let's do this. Let's do business, as Aldis said. And to me, that just feels so real. You know what I mean? It's just so different than anything we've ever seen before. Um, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that when they had the exchange on Twitter a, a few days ago, Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, tweets out, hey, I, I want this challenge. And Nick Aldis is like, you know, I'm ready to do this. And then Eddie Kingston replies something to the effect that our, he says, our champion, I'm, I may be wrong here, but I think he said our champion is no coward. Is that what he said? Something like and that. Or doesn't yeah. back down keywords, from the challenge or something. Yeah. The key words being our champion, you know, so he acknowledges the authority and the weight and, and the position that Nick Aldis holds. And then he comes with is no coward the respect and there's obviously a great deal of mutual respect. You don't see a lot of trash talk going on. I think, uh, I think you're right that, that n n don't get me wrong here. Nick Aldis, it's not like he's never faced tough guys before. Nick Aldis is the greatest wrestler in the world today. He's the greatest champion of this era. And he's, you know, he's wrestled very elegant styles and he's wrestled guys that are more trained in the strong style and guys that are in the high spots. And Nick Aldis can really do a lot of that too. Um, maybe, <laughs> 
you know, one of the reasons that Eddie Kingston rises to the top, though, is because he's so uniquely, uniquely passionate and qualified. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, I think about like growing up, my my favorite wrestler was Ric Flair. He's the one who inspired me. That's the one I felt. My son, growing up, his favorite wrestler was Hallow Wicked and Eddie Kingston, based off of the weight of those things. You know, so it's like, and he and he parlayed that uh, year after year after year until now he is, you know, he's on this world title scene potentially. You know, if, if we can get all that stuff worked out and everything. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, Nick Aldis is the most elegant elegant wrestler out there he is he, he is a student of the sport he plays he wrestles like he uh plays chess you know he's thinking methodically he he's he's got his moves thought out he's always thinking eight five you know eight nine ten eleven twelve moves ahead and eddie kingston is not that kind of guy and in a, in a you know maybe that might benefit you if this were a street fight but in a gentleman's contest where you do have rules and you have you know, the squared circle when you have parameters and you're fighting under gentlemen's rules. I just don't see, uh, I see this being a very compelling storyline. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't think anybody captures, you know, Cody, Cody Rhodes is also a very elegant, skilled, informed, educated wrestler, just like Marty Skrull is. Uh, guys like Trevor Murdoch and, and uh, Eddie Kingston are a little rougher. Not that they don't have training and don't, don't have good training, but they're much more emotionally driven and, and it's much more of the Dusty Rhodes style, you know, where I'm, 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 uh, I'm building an emotional story and this and that. And this is going to be, if this happens, this will be something along those lines of a Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes type story. Uh, not like, you know, whereas a Cody Rhodes and a Marty Skrull is more of a Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat type thing, a Ric Flair Sting type thing, where you've got more scientific wrestlers and, and that kind of thing. So this is going to be of a different sort, but I, I just feel like, one, nobody's better than Nick. And again, this is not just me just saying that. We all see the body of work that, that all this is putting out. It's, 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 he doesn't have a peer in the sport. Now, he won't tell you that because even though he's brash and, and, um, and as confident as a champion should be, he's going to pay dues and give respect to these people as he should. And this is not to say that Eddie Kingston on a good day couldn't, couldn't be the one that, that wins that title and help, you know, holds it for a time. But I don't see Eddie Kingston like in the ring as Nick Aldis's peer. You know, I don't see that. I, I I think this is an epic battle. But at the end of the day, man, Eddie's uh, uh, Eddie's just too emotional. He's not deliberate enough, and and Nick Aldis is playing this game better than anybody alive right now. Anybody. I feel like that's kind of going with what I'm saying, though. It's like uh, Eddie Kingston's not going to be trying to be Nick Aldis's peer in wrestling ability. Eddie Keys is going in there to whip that ass. <laughs> that's that might work on the streets, but in the squared circle where there's a referee and, and, and it's gentlemen's rules, even if you're a gentleman from the hard streets of New York, um, you know, this is a performance sport. This is a prize fight. And when you're dealing with a prize fight, now, if this is an, I don't, you know, I'm not confident that in an MMA type style comp, you know, combat type exchange that all this wouldn't win that either i just think he's that good at his at his craft but in the squared circle in the sport of wrestling nick aldis doesn't have a peer and for that reason uh kingston can't win this match yes yeah, it's, it's a tough call i mean i get what you're saying but let's also not forget that we've seen from promos and that sort of thing that uh eddie kingston is uh doing his judo training like he's he's got uh bjj like a uh, background like he's he's doing other stuff so even though he comes across as a uh 
just a streetwise brawler. There is a background that he's working with here too. Now, of course, I, again, I, like like I was saying earlier, I don't expect it to be a world of sport like arm drag takeover, hit toss, like here's a headlock, let's grab this and throw you over here and all of this. It's going to be like Eddie Kingston's like coming after him like a wild dog. But uh, that's that's what makes the match tough for me to predict. Like I think it's going to be a fight, and I think that Eddie Kingston makes everything unpredictable. Like he just anything he's involved in, uh, it, it's just going to be you're fighting for your life every time and, you're and in the ring. Wrong, Eddie, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from Eddie Kingston. I think he is one of the maybe the most compelling guy out there, and I think we all, including me, I'm going to pay big money to see this. If they, if, if they have an audience, best believe Stinson's going to be there. I'm going to be there right there watching. And, uh, and you know, uh, because on any given day, anybody can really beat anybody at this level. We're dealing with world-class athletes, and Eddie Kingston's one of them. Um, you know, it could be, you know, uh, it, 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 if, if the cosmos were aligned, if there happened to be a bearded trio summit that day and there was just something off in the time-space continuum, Eddie Kingston could walk out, and he would be – and he's worthy of it. Don't get me wrong. Eddie Kingston is worthy of this title. My only argument is that there's only <laughs> Nick Aldis is just the best. He just Eddie Kingston has the unfortunate circumstance of living in the era of the greatest, <laughs> which is Nick. We Aldis. got we got Stitson, we got Doc Stitson down to uh, it could happen. Yeah. Which is, we're, I think, a victory. We're getting there, man. We're getting there. <laughs> so we nah. got, <laughs> don't, don't, don't I feel like that's a victory. Well, and y'all well. was trying to put a slant on what I'm <laughs> Let me let me get, draw another analogy. The greatest, <laughs> the greatest fight game of all time is Mike Tyson's punch out, man. And uh, if you play it and you get all the codes right, you could possibly beat Mike Tyson. But here's how it went, man. You go through and you're, you know, what's his name? A little uh, Mac, little Mac. You're going through and you take on Glass Joe and then you get up to like, King Hippo, and then you get to Soda Popkinski, and then you get to, you know, Mr. Sandman, and you find the way. But then you get to Mike Tyson, and it's a different, it's a different story. You know, I mean, it's this is different. Nick Aldis is not Mike Quackenbush. Nick Aldis is not Hallow Wicked. Nick Aldis just happens to be the greatest at this sport right now today of anybody. He's the greatest current champion of anybody, and so. No, but it Eddie is. Eddie Kingston ain't back, man. Eddie Kingston's like super macho, man. Like, so it's, yes. a, I'm not, it's I'm a different not, matchup. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not throwing shade on Kingston. It could happen. It could He's happen. He's pissed at up in this bit. <laughs> listen, I, listen, I'm glad, I'm glad, first of all, that you didn't say that Nick Aldis is Mike Tyson. I'm glad you stopped. We all saw where that was going, but you stopped yourself. But here's the deal. <laughs> Here, here's the deal. And, you know, I know it's not like me to disagree with the good doctor. Um, mm. Just kidding. I, we always disagree, but that's, that's, Here we what, go. that's the, Here beautiful, we go. <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about this show. But listen, this is my perspective on it. Um, wrestling there. The beauty of wrestling to me is all of the different types of characters. What I don't like is when, um, and I'm not saying this is what you're saying at all, but this is just m my perspective. Where's I don't like when certain things get get pigeonholed and backed into a corner with it's got to be a certain way because like I don't I, I personally don't love when a feud is two guys that are the same like you got a Brock Lesnar and another big beefy guy Braun Strowman or something like that and they're gonna fight uh, some people are interested in that I'm just like okay this is this is appealing to one type of person the person that likes that kind of wrestling What's what's beautiful to me about an Aldous Eddie Kingston feud is it is two completely different 
viewpoints, two completely different styles, two completely different stories. And you're exactly right. Emotional. Eddie Kingston is very emotional. He leads with emotion. But to me, and this is just my perspective as well, and this is not anything, this doesn't take away, I'll say everything you said, but in reverse, this is not taking anything away from, from the champ, Nick Aldis. But I prefer the emotional guys. I prefer the guys that can go out there and they can win because they've got some kind of emotion. They're, they're not, that's not to say I don't appreciate the in-ring chess players. I do. I do. I love Ric Flair. I love guys that you've mentioned that have that strategic mindset. I love that. But as much as I love that, I also love the guys that come in there and fight out of emotion because they got something to prove or something like that. And I've seen great champions over time that were that, that type of person. And so I think there's room for both. And my point is just that, you know, as much as Nick Aldis has established himself as the face of the National Wrestling Alliance in 2020, 2019, 2018, all, all the last like three years, basically. Yeah, the last 900 days. as a, <laughs> basically. There, there it is. I knew you'd have the exact number. I was waiting on you. Um, but, <laughs> they, but they're at some point. I believe, and I believe that any good storyteller would know this, there's got to be a fork in the road. And maybe maybe it comes back, and, it, and I'm sure it will. I'm with you. I agree. If Nick Aldis loses the title, Eddie Kingston, whoever, it ain't his last title reign. He has built the clout. He has built the, the, um, the, the believability and the, the trust from the audience that he will be a multi-multi-time champion. No doubt about it. When we're having this conversation in 20 years, we'll be talking about him the way we talk about Ric Flair now. I believe that. But I think there's got to be points in the road where it diverts so that when he comes back, it is meaningful. And I think Eddie Kingston is a prime candidate, in my opinion, because it is going to be a completely different look and feel. And it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be uncomfortable for uh, guys like you who see a champ, as you say a lot, as a statesman and as a, a certain, you know, a Ric Flair, a Nick Aldis, that kind of, of person, just as it was probably uncomfortable for people that had that mentality to see Dusty Rhodes as champion, even though he was more of a transitional champion. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's 2020. Things are different. Um, you know, the, the world is at a heightened emotional state. I think that heightened emotional uh, drive from Eddie Kingston really connects with people right now. So I could see it happening. That's just my opinion. And if it did, here's the thing. We talk about it all the time, but when the title does change, it does need to be meaningful. It mm -hmm. doesn't need to be a, a fly by the seat of your pants. Oh, let's just do it to do it. Um, it needs to be believable. And to me, this would be believable. I can believe as great as Nick Aldis is that Eddie Kingston with the promos that he cuts and the stories that he tells, I could believe that he could come out in one night and because he's so fired up for that opportunity, he could beat Nick Aldis. I would believe that. It wouldn't be one of those things where I see a lot in mainstream wrestling right now where I'm like, that dude would never win. You know, like I could believe it. And so for me, let me pose this question to you. Let me pose yeah. it to both of you. And, and I, I'm, I really want to challenge you as students of, of the sport of wrestling here, okay? Because we, we're, we're saying here, we're saying all this stuff about Eddie Kingston, and it's all true. Again, if I, I hope, you know, we tweeted this hoping that Eddie Kingston would at least listen in because we all, this is an Eddie Kingston mutual ad, or an admiration society. We love him. He's one of the most compelling. I wrote those words. I mean, he, I believe that, and he could do this. So, but I think we all can agree 
that if we are chess players going into this match and there was a, a chink in the armor of Eddie Kingston that we were going to exploit, it would be that emotionalism, that, that passion, where I'm not thinking clearly here, I'm thinking purely in emotion. Flip the script. Tell me, point to me, where is that weakness? Where is that chink in Nick Aldis's armor that Eddie Kingston's going to have to exploit? Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's not like Eddie, this, Eddie Kingston is a powerful, powerful force. And he, he, he cuts a promo like no other. And he does bring a lot of passion, maybe more so than anybody. But it's not like Nick Aldis hasn't faced emotional opponents like King Shane Williams or Tim Storm or James Storm or Cody Rhodes. He's faced emotional opponents before where there's been emotion in the game. But what is the, what, if I'm Eddie Kingston, I'm looking at Nick Aldis. Where can I find that chink of that armor? Because, guys, I don't see it, man. I don't see a weakness in Nick Aldis's game. I don't see a weakness that can be exploited right now. To me, it's like if there's going to be a weakness that's going to emerge, it's going to be something like distraction or age or injury or something like that. Time. You know, Tom is is undefeated against all opponents. But right now, Nick Aldis is in his prime. He's the best in the world. I mean, you could say overconfidence and lack of emotion. I mean, that complacency. You could say that. And I'm not calling Nick Aldis complacent. I'm just saying if if I'm if I'm putting myself in Eddie Kingston's shoes and I'm building a case for cutting promos, I'm gonna say, Hey man, you've been the champion for this long. Well, guess what? Your days are numbered because you've never fought anybody like me. He'll say he he'll, he'll say that. He has said that. He said that in a promo about Nick Aldis and, and about Cody Rhodes, coincidentally. And so, I mean, he that that's that's his approach to it is that, you know what? Yeah, you're a great grappler. And yeah, you've got the title that I want right now. But I could see him saying, like, you've had it for a long time and you're probably pretty comfortable. I'm not comfortable and I'm coming at you with a different level of, of emotion and intensity and so, I mean, to me, that's believable. I mean, that, and again, it's different strokes for different folks. I, I get what you're saying. And you know, I love you, right? Which, so you know what's coming. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I love you. And I love wrestling with an MMA. That's my brother. I love WWE front row. I love James Lawrence. These are all my people. But there is not a single wrestler in the NWA or Impact or Ring of Honor, who does not suffer from the ailment of overconfidence. There's not a single one of them who does not think that they should be the one carrying the 10 pounds of gold. Not a one. Well, that's so why so I what said, would you say to something like, in our chat right now, wrestling with the MMA is saying, the weakness in Aldis's armor, to go back to, to the point you made, is he, he says that the weakness in Aldis's armor is Aldis himself. Uh, maybe he's referring to that confidence. Maybe just it is. I mean, it, like Will mentioned. But, you know, I mean, it's that, that, that same brand of confidence that prompted Eddie Kingston to tweet out, to call out all this, to say that he's better. That's overconfidence, too. It's like, it's like everybody, you know, every, every – I don't want to get political here, so don't take this the wrong way. But, you know, we, we like here to we talk go. about the brashness. Here we, and, here we, go. <laughs> <laughs> we like to talk about the brashness and, and narcissism of, of uh, the current president. But every – Every statesman who seeks that high office has a level of that. You have to. I mean, that's part and parcel of the role you play. And part of rising to that level of, the, of being at the very peak, the mountaintop, even Tim Storm, even Tim Storm went in saying, I promise you, this is on the first episode of Power. I promise you at the end of the night, I'm going to be champion. He said that. Well, guess what? Didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards. As it turns out, on that day, Aldous was the better man. So I'm just saying they all suffer. Overconfidence to me is just like, that's like painting. It's like saying, well, they're all, 
they all have the potential of, of being on the receiving end of a drop kick. Well, that's just part and parcel of being a wrestler. They're all overconfident. They should be. Well, and that's and that's why but I, I love said, you. And that's why I said overconfidence mixed with complacency, um, because we have seen that storylines in historically is that a guy will will be a champion for a long time, and there is a, a certain level of complacency um, from a storyline standpoint that does set in because they're they're comfortable with that title. Uh, it becomes kind of part of their identity and they take it for granted a little bit. It's good storytelling. It's not, again, it's not a knock on Aldis himself as, as a, um, an athlete or a pro wrestler. It's just that's you, you pose the question of if I'm Eddie Kingston, where's the chink in the armor? That was the first thing that came to my mind, uh, possibly complacency coming from that. So, yeah, man, I mean, I just to me, it's believable. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with the chat. It looks like there's a lot of chatter. I don't know if they're uh, roasting me or Rob or what they're doing. <laughs> I'm sure. No, no. I think I think the chat's been like a pretty healthy debate as well. Um, I mean, actually, let's let's run through some of the comments just real quick, if you guys don't mind. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll go like for play it. through the what one of my favorite things so far has been Dan Kellogg uh, way back had uh, brought up there uh, should be a game called Nick Aldis's Tap Out, which uh, I thought was nice. Punch <laughs> out uh, <to> <laughs> discussion. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I asked about favorite uh, Kingston moments also. So just to shout out some of those, Dave Doobie mentioned the stab them up at the tapings. Uh, James Lawrence mentioned the look into my eyes promo, Will, which you sent out to us in the Discord uh, earlier that, today. Listen, that promo, and I don't know if this was the full, the clip that I found is probably longer, but it was literally only 60 seconds long. And it, you know, it was him calling out uh, Pope and he had the Dawsons with him. And he comes, I mean, it was the most raw, like pure, real show of, of wrestling emotion that I may have ever seen. Like it just, it, it shook me in like the best way possible. And he was just like, you know, it was great. We'll have to send out the link to that. If, if uh, just to attack, just cause to me, that's the quickest. Hey, if you're, if you're, if you don't know Eddie Kingston and you want to get, uh, if you got, you got 60 seconds to spare watch this and you'll know what Eddie Kingston's about. Cause this will tell you all you need to know. I don't, I don't know how you're on the other side of that promo and, and you're a guy like Pope uh, much, much less Pope, like Nick Aldis or whatever. Like you're on the other side of a guy talking to you like Eddie Kingston is in that promo that you're not like half afraid that he's going to, he's going to at least get that eye or something <laughs> like he's going to take well, something mean, with and him. I, and that you're was, not coming was, out whole. And that was the realism of it too. The look into my eyes thing. I mean, you know, Pope, you watch that promo and he gets behind the Dawson's. He puts them in front of him and he's looking between it. And, and, and Kingston says, that's fine. That's fine. Get behind him. But look at me, look at me. Cause he was just like, I'm, I'm here to talk to you. I want you to listen to me. And that was just so like gritty to me um, that it just, man, it was awesome. I mean, it just struck me as like that, that like he's meaning what he's saying. This isn't like, <laughs> you know, this is like, it's not just like some, hey, hey, guys, we're backstage. I'm going to cut this promo on you. There, yeah. I mean, when he talked about homicide as, as the man who has saved him from suicide, I felt it. Yeah. And I feel it. And I, 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 there's, a, um, there's a post in here in the chat from uh, uh, James Orange. Champ always has a target on his back. Why shouldn't a guy from the streets challenge the Jaguar owner? And then WWE front row uh, chime in that it's a brilliant story, classic, uh, actually. It should take Kingston several times to get it, including a DQ. But when he does, it will be special. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're hearing it from me. If it does happen, it it will be special. And Eddie Kingston will be worthy of it. 
I'm just saying that it wasn't Dusty Rhodes that defined the 80s. It was Ric Flair, and it's not going to be Eddie Kingston. He's going to be one of the ones. Dusty Rhodes is one of the ones that defined the 80s, but the 80s was the decade of Flair, and the, the, the 2020s is going to be the decade of all this. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think that's a whole different debate, but yeah. I, I was about to say the same. Yeah, I feel like. Why is it a different debate, man? Yeah, see, y'all, y'all always get man. Well, no, because we're 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 we're, we're, we're always we're, gigging up, bro. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about this this singular feud that's budding and how we can. See. We're not we're not talking about who's going to be the the premier wrestler of, of the 2020s. That's see, that's, that's, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> The, the, well, I mean, like Will, Will even said, like he believes even if Aldis like drops it here, he's he's gonna win it back. I mean, I think we've said that. Like this is not Aldis's last title reign. He didn't say it strongly enough. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll yell it <laughs> next time, and I'll use more curse words. I, I think I feel like like this could be. You know, we we've talked in the past about hey, I mean, Aldis has had some great matches already, some classic matches. But what's going to be that captivating feud, that career-defining feud like like, like Flair Rhodes? It might be this one. It might be this one. And all I'm saying is that if it is this one, it's worthy. It's worthy of that. And, and I would love to see this be something like WWE Front Row talked about, going back and forth where Kingston always almost there, almost there, just falling short. Uh, and then ultimately it happens and it's special. But – the person who defines the feud is not going to be him. It's going to be all this. That's all I'm saying. Because I see this as a feud going on for not just a one-shot thing. This is something I think could really, really enrich all of us, the whole NWA, the entire wrestling world for many years to come. Kingston, a king. I mean, we think about like how great a feud Kingston and Hallow Wicked was. And Hallow Wicked's great, not taken away from any from him at all. He's one of my favorites, but we're talking about Nick Aldis now. And Kingston and Nick Aldis, I think they both up their game. And this is something that we see this drama, this epic, again, this this Greek mythology playing out for many years. But it's going to be Aldis that characterizes the 2020s that will be the avenue or the venue of this feud, this budding feud. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I think the the one point where we really agree in all of this is that I think I think that is correct. But I think that guys like Eddie Kingston and maybe some other guys that we don't even know of right now are going to play a major part in defining that for Nick Aldis. Because for me, if we're waiting for a carbon copy of Nick Aldis, another statesman, another suit-wearing person to come along, that's not an interesting feud, as interesting of a feud to me as an Eddie Kingston um, or as, you know, someone off the wall, you know, that, that creates that contrast between Nick Aldis as a champion and what they want. You look through history and that happened all through history. And that made, just like you said, those compelling that Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, they were not carbon copies of each other. You know what I mean? So that that's what made that interesting. If Dusty Rhodes was, was the same person as Ric Flair, that would have just been like, okay, which, which limo riding, wheeling, dealing guys going to win? No, Dusty Rhodes, they were completely different and they had completely different motivations and that's what made it interesting. So that's why I am for an Eddie Kingston storyline, even a long-term Eddie Kingston storyline, because I know it'll be developed right um, with respect to creative storytelling and things like that, because that could be what elevates Nick Aldis even further than he is right now, you know, putting him in a storyline like that and letting him shine um, more than he could against even a Cody or a Marty Skrull. 
But see, I didn't like it when you had said, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Everything you said just is perfect. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. Well, I disagree, Rob. <laughs> oh, man. No, what, whatever the case is, is this is going to be an interesting battle. And I, I do want to point out that this is a thing we haven't seen anybody do before now. Uh, Eddie Kingston's taking advantage of a scenario. Eddie Kingston was not a guy that was in the title picture when power ended at, at Superpower. I mean, this was going into a Marty Skrull feud. Who knows where from there. Eddie Kingston was like dealing with the Pope. He was just doing all this other stuff. But here Eddie Kingston is like seeing this uh, lag in action and is saying, you know what? Why can't I get a shot? And I think that's going to be a big move. And it could be a big move that sparks a lot. It could it could be that this is just the first shot fired and now this is going to open the gates for a lot of challengers. If if Aldis takes this fight, which he seems interested in doing this, uh, if Aldis accepts this fight, the floodgates open for anybody to challenge Aldis now. And so if he can get through Eddie Kingston, who knows? Who knows what happens from here? Like maybe this just opens the doors, like I said, for more and more people to come challenging for the 10 pounds of gold. All this is going to have to put his money where his mouth is. He, the break's over, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and it also opens the doors for some other interesting uh, twists and turns, I mean, in the in the relationship element, because obviously, you know, uh, Nick Aldis and Tom Latimer are very, very close friends uh, in, inside the NWA and out in real life. They do uh, tried and true. They're both educators are taking on students and they, you know, they're just out there out there putting stuff out, showing what their, their training regimen. They've, they've got a, a, a strong kindred friendship or countrymen. Uh, but, you know, Eddie Kingston and Tom Latimer also have a history together as friends. Uh, he and James Storm and Tom Latimer. Uh, so this could be something where, uh, I think that WWE Front Row had mentioned, "Hey, what what this is? What does this do with strictly business?" And that might be that might be something because of the history. The well, common- I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I mean, as we recall, as Power in the latter episodes of Power, uh, of course, Tom Latimer, like you said, he and Keeks had have a past together as partners. But Latimer is lined up with with Aldis and Strictly Business. But you drop that other name, James Storm, and we saw a nice trio combination going on there for a little bit when it came to the Pope and the Bouncers. Eddie Kingston, James Storm, and Eli Drake had formed quite the alliance like together. Um, so that might be the the answer to WWE front row's question right there. Uh, how do you counter strictly business? Well, the tag team champions seem to have Eddie Kingston's back. So, yeah. uh, and you know, you know that James Storm and Eli Drake are no fans of Nick Aldis. Right, right. And, and again, that there, there it is. You know, those though in those impact days, Eli Drake is another one. Eli Drake, James Storm, Tom Latimer, and Eddie Kingston all were. I'm not going to say they were like the click, but they they had they were kindred spirits, and so that that has the potential. Because, you know, this is a, you know, one thing that we like about the NWA and that we, we say this all the time is we're not, and NBA doesn't insult anybody. They don't rewrite history. They don't, they don't try to deny the past. And, and it's a common knowledge fact that Eddie Kingston and Tom Latimer are friends or have been friends or, and have worked together and, and have a kinship. 
uh, just like Nick Aldis and and uh, and Tom Latimer do. So this seems to me like that that might be the thing that that might be the matter that's exploited to to uh, to make the, the the championship pitcher really 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 uh, questionable or really shaky for the champ. Yeah, I'm here. putting you on the spot, bro. <laughs> I was just uh, trying to think of how to disagree with Rob, but I can't on that. So <laughs> we'll move on. If I don't have anything uh, dis- disagreeing to say, I just I'm quiet. I'm just kidding. Uh, I do love that the uh, that our uh, they've called themselves the think tank in the chat now uh, with <laughs> everybody going at it, uh, and I and I love that because they they are coming up with all kinds of ideas like just the the series of matches that Kingston and Aldis can have up until just recently. James Lawrence has thrown out that uh, Eddie Kingston doesn't counter strictly business; he gets screwed, and then they finally have to have uh, the NWA's first cage match in the modern era, <laughs> and. Uh, and then that sounds awesome too. So, uh, but yeah, the front rows in here was Drake, Storm, Homicide, and Kingston. Like that's a that's all a crew right there that could easily uh, try to counteract strictly business, uh, which has come up. So that's uh, so I I don't know. I, I I feel like strictly business is not as big a concern to an Eddie Kingston as they might be to a lot of people. Like Eddie seems to have clout in the in the locker room and has some backup if he needs it. So Aldis needs to be aware of that as well. If he's going to bring his buddies to the fight, uh, Kingston's got buddies too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they know that. And, and that's the thing though. I think the, 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 the way that this promotion is going to treat this though, they're going to treat it like, not like a gang fight. They're going to treat it like a prize fight. And so, you know, I think that the way that at least Aldis and, and and uh, not homicide. Uh, Kingston have conducted themselves so far in their engagements with one another on social media has been all respectful. All hey, this is what I think I can do. Hey, I'm willing to do this. Well, our champion's not a coward. And then you know it's it's been very matter of fact, and I, that's that's how I see it playing out. Of course, there's emotion involved and there's personalities involved because it's also a human sport. So you know who knows what's going to happen. But uh, you know I'd love to see this just be a uh, at least the first in the series be just a clean two out of three falls, kind of like an into the fire style match. And, uh, you know, let's, let's see what best, let's see what style is the best, you know, let's the best man wins. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so lots of great ideas in there. I see, uh, Jay Cal is joining us from the Alliance blog. He's asking about strictly business. Uh, should have been here about 10 to 15 minutes ago. Jay Cal, we covered that with, uh, Eli Drake and James Storm and Homicide. Um, but I will say, we want to hang out with the guys in the chat a little bit more. So I think what we'll do here, fellas, if you're down, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up what will be the podcast portion of this show. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you hit like. Uh, and uh, if you're listening to us on, on your podcast feed, go give us a five-star review. That helps us get in front of more people. Uh, what we like to do here is we'll wrap up the podcast portion. Then we're just going to jump in and hang out with the live chat. And it lets us be a little bit more interactive. And the conversation can now go who knows where. It's 11 o'clock here. It's 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 after after dark now. And uh, so it gets real. Who knows what's going to come up? Anything is on the table. There There's, there's no limits here. We're going to talk wrestling. I mean, that's pretty much it. We're not going to talk about uh, Rob's Pornhub addiction or anything like that. We're just talking wrestling. But but you guys can join us for that. And uh, so if you, if you haven't already, <laughs> Sundays and Tuesdays, 
uh, we are here every night live talking to you guys about NWA mostly, but you know, we get into whatever, but, uh, Rob, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online if they want to ask you about that addiction. I'm on Twitter. At, <laughs> I'm on Twitter at R Stinson four. I'm on uh, Tinder at, <laughs> I've been saving that one, man. Uh, R Stinson four on Twitter. R.D. Stinson for on Instagram, Robert, Dr. Robert Stinson, not just Robert Stinson on Facebook, but our content is uh, is right here on This is the NWA podcast, and uh, you can see our stuff uh, every Friday uh, morning. We drop uh, Piper's notes, and then, of course, you can find me here every Sunday and Tuesday night on This is the NWA After Dark with my best buds. So where, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm uh, at Hey It's Will on Twitter and Instagram, um, at Real Hey It's Will on TikTok. Um, and uh, just a couple things to note. I mentioned it earlier in, in the show, but the uh, NWA Pod Title Challenge, uh, check that out on Twitter. Uh, send us um, your favorite title belts, putting together a bracket for that. Um, and then, as we mentioned also earlier, uh, the Friday Hot Tag, a little collab that we're doing with Jay Cal over at the Alliance blog. Uh, every Friday on Instagram, we're trying to um, build up, you know, we, we've got a pretty good audience on Instagram and a lot of you guys interact with us over there, but just trying to utilize all the plat- platforms and hit uh, the NWA fam um, wherever they they are. And so Instagram every Friday at 3 p.m. noon Pacific, uh, Jay Cal and I go live for about 15, 20 minutes, talk about a hot topic. Uh, this week was the first one we talked about empty arena wrestling we took that and threw it up on our youtube feed it's also on jay cal's uh the alliance blogs um, audio feed if you want to catch it over there um but just trying to create some more synergy and some collaboration among uh us in the uh, nwa fam so definitely go check that out if you didn't get a chance to uh, join us this friday also don't forget over at uh TheNWAPod.com. We've got some of that sweet NWA fam merch there right available here. for you at, at cost. Yeah, look at Will's shirt. Here right here and right here. Got we got it right here. Look at that. Coffee mug. I got one of those right here. Sweet coffee mugs. And uh, everything's marked down, man. Or, or if you're feeling froggy, you just put in your email address and you're entered to win a free piece of merch from the store whatever you want we'll send it to you uh i don't know when the end of that is so we'll figure it out but i think i think we need to put a cap on it and so i think we should do it tuesday we'll, let's go ahead and put that that limit because we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks but let's say tuesday uh we'll we'll put all the email addresses in a hat and we'll we'll draw a name so now till tuesday make sure you sign up for the mailing list if you want to be uh entered into that Tell all your friends. Our boy Turbo is going to be doing a giveaway right after that. I don't even know if I've told these guys about it yet, but we're going to be working that into everything. So uh, uh, give some props to Turbo. He's 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 going to be – well, I mean, I might as well say it now. Uh, eventually, we're going to figure out a giveaway for Turbo. He's offered for the show to uh, whatever, whatever stipulations we decide on, he will buy you any piece of merchandise from the NWA store. Wow. And have it sent to you. Nice. Uh, so a very nice thing. So the bearded trio has to uh, uh, convalesce, coalesce. I don't remember what the word I'm looking for here is. We got to talk about it. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah. All right. 
But until then, you can go to at the NWA pod. Thank you guys so much for being here. Everybody in the chat, we're coming to just hang out with you right after this. If you're listening to this, we do appreciate you listening. And we hope at some point you get to join us live. I'm at this is Gary Horn always. And the show is at the NWA pod on all the social medias. So check it out. And until next time, enjoy your gravy cake.